0: I mean, recently I've just started saying to people, I actually really kind of talk to the wall, like the wall tells me where the lines and that are going. It's kind of weird.
1: I Believe in You with Lizelle Hartley. Hello and welcome to I Believe in You, the podcast about setting your goals and achieving your dreams. I'm your host, Lizelle Hartley, a business and personal mentor and the author of the Discovery Journal, I Believe in You. This season, we are talking with seven professionals who has taken their side hustle and turned it into a career. All of our guests are at different stages of their journey, whether that's just starting out to even employing others. Art can be very easily associated with a person's passion. It's an outlet which allows people to share their emotions and experiences but earning a living from art can be a challenge. For Sabrani Simcook, surviving on the income from her art was something she wasn't sure on. So, how did she get past that worry? Let's find out. Thanks for joining me Subrani, all the way from Broome this morning. Yes, thanks Giselle for inviting me. It's a pleasure. No, I'm just glad you could be on my show and I feel very delighted. Tell me a little bit about where did your story start? Where did your art in your journey start and where are you today? Um, My journey started possibly when I was maybe even six years old, but
0: I literally gave it all up and, and didn't believe in myself. I went through uni, art school, uni, and stopped painting once I got married and got unmarried at 39, and that's when it really began. And I didn't actually think of anything else except for that journey and how I was going to curate it. Where was it going to take me? And it's become now a complete faith, a complete trust in in that journey. That is the soul journey. That is my journey.
1: So what are you doing today as an artist?
0: Right now? Right now? I'm talking to you. (laughs) Right now um, I'm running a gallery in Broome. I look at that now as just a quarter of the business because the other part of the business is my mural work. And the other part of the business is the admin and all of that side of things, which you still have to concentrate on and be good at. And then the other part is my private life, which is probably a really small segment of those, of those quarters. It's not really a quarter. Yeah.
1: How many hours a day do you have a paintbrush in your hand? Yeah, that that's
0: a priority and, and I know that a lot of artists go I don't get the time, but you make the time and I make the time. It's a daily practice. It, it happens. If if I know I'm busy, I'll get up at five and I'll paint until nine ten in the morning just when before the gallery opens. Um, If I'm doing a wall, it it could be 10, 12 hours a day.
1: So it's very rare to see you without a paintbrush. Totally. (laughs) And I remember I had the honor to come and visit your studio in Broome a few weeks ago. (laughs) And you said to me, I had to close my studio this morning because it's just too busy. Otherwise, I wouldn't have time to do the art.
0: Yeah, that's right. It was. I had so many commissions to do and it was just overflowing in my mind and I needed to to stop it, and I guess in that you could probably pull that studio that is it, it, the studio in the gallery. The gallery is very unusual, it has um, hand painted floors. And when I opened the gallery six and a half years ago, I decided and I was adamant from day dot that that gallery would be as good in New York as it could be in Broome because you get lost in that small, small town, it's okay, you know, half heartedness not not with me I just wanted it to be top-notch and part of that top-notch was that you could see my studio and people love that they love to connect with that intimacy of wow this is where she creates this is I think it's a really lovely place but at the moment because the gallery is so busy <laughs> it's it's kind of encroaching on that creativity and perhaps it might need to be somewhere else well, I can honestly
1: say that for me, it was an experience. Yeah. It was an experience walking through your gallery and being there with my family. And we all looked at little art piece from art piece. So yeah. part of the experience for me was, and you don't get that a lot, and I don't know if I was just lucky, but you were in the studio when I actually arrived. Yeah, wow. Well, so yeah. you want to say, if you look at the business world, so you just and you get somebody to run your studio for you, which you probably have to do at some time. But for me, it feels that that was part of the whole experience. So how important is it for you to be there when the clients and customers do come in?
0: It can be very important, um, but the staff are getting to a point. I always have staff that are very confident in selling and that's the, that's the deal. When I opened the gallery, it had to have staff. I couldn't imagine sitting there all day. It would have encroached on the creativity. So the business model has always been with staff and it's always run with staff.
1: And then you're not just doing artwork on canvases you are silo artist <laughs> A silo artist Silo yeah. artist So yeah. if you're not in the gallery you're hang off a building and yeah. painting So yeah. tell, tell our listeners a little bit More about that. That's
0: manifested Like the gallery opened probably Six and a half years ago and the, and the whole You know mentality of that was that I Just wanted to sell art and so I needed a gallery So that it was like a an Avenue for the art to flow through so I could Keep painting. Four and a half years ago I started Painting the large walls. I do have a a diploma from Edith County University in stage design so I I always wanted to paint really big and then it's just taken off it's like a full-time job just doing the walls so it's a real juggle but a really good juggle.
1: I must say I love the photos see this artist hanging there over a big wall (laughs) creating something and listen to one of your talks one time it was where you say I don't know what the if it's going to fit or what it's going to look like at the end. So that's also very brave because we look at this big art and you think, oh, they must have had a big screens on it so that at least the proportions can be right. Yeah,
0: But that's not how you paint. That's probably one of my most asked questions is how do you get that picture up on the wall? And I, I, I mean, recently I've just started saying to people, I actually really kind of talk to the wall. Like the wall tells me where the lines and that are going. It's kind (laughs) of weird. But it happens. I don't don't even stand back very often. And even with the silo, I did brolgers on on the concrete silo with no background. So they had to be right. You couldn't make a mistake. And they said to me, could you actually just paint the top of the brolgers first because of the... The guy in the truck truck cherry picker who was running it, he's, he charges a lot and it would be a lot cheaper if we could just get the top done and then we could go in and do the middle piece easier. So I had to actually draw the tops hoping the rest would fit and – somehow did
1: so can you honestly say there's no art piece that didn't fit did every art piece fit or did you just yes there's a
0: kookaburra in my gallery right now it's really annoying me and it's staring at me on the counter when I go (laughs) and I'm like his head's kind of squashed I said there is
1: one squashed (laughs) kookaburra (laughs) that's lovely to get a little bit behind the scenes of your art Mm. but every artist out there probably your biggest thing is the challenge around money because especially when you start off people not always value it and you don't get the time and cost that go into the art can you tell us was that a challenge for you as well when you
0: start off um, money for me was a challenge in the beginning within myself. It, and I really firmly believe that if people can, man, they can manifest abundance, they can manifest money, but it's got to be within yourself. And there's always emotional attachment around money. When I first started and I got to Broom, I didn't like money and I knew it. And so well, I did a lot. It took a good 18 months of me I actually meditated and sat in this thinking that money was—I was sitting in money and it was all around me—and and it started. I started to like it again. You know, there's a whole social consciousness of oh, you know, look what it brings, blah blah blah. But money brings good stuff. It, it can bring really amazing journeys in life, and um, I've certainly, met, you know, shown that within myself. And I, I've started. Um, I started out at the markets in Broome and, and I wanted to get a gallery happening because I thought that my ma- my work was worth more than just a market price mm. so I wanted to see it up on a wall so I started doing a um, pop-up um, and it, it was only for three months and I had $258 left in my bank account when I opened that that gallery doors and in two months I made 20000 so
1: So I want to stop you for a minute there Mm. because that is so important for a lot of people Mm. that take their passion to a a sideline hustle Mm. or even to a business because money is is one of the biggest questions. I think if money didn't play as big a role Mm. in businesses, especially small businesses, there would have been much more business owners out yeah. there. But that's a big thing that stops you. And interesting that you say you didn't like money mm. because you need money to grow. Yeah, you do. You can to yeah. s- if you haven't grow, if you didn't go from the market to a pop-up, you would probably still be at the market. Yeah, I would. Because mm. a market client is different than a, a gallery client. Yeah,
0: the so, expectations of money at a market are so different to money in a gallery. It's just the whole level is, is changed. And how many times you see exhibitions by artists who don't put a price on a painting. Like, that, for me, that's basic. You've got
1: to put your price out. You've got to yeah. put it up there. You've got to know that it's for sale. And also the fact that you have 200 was it in $58? Yes. And you so exactly remember that I amount. I know that
0: amount. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be tight. I hope that I actually can eat next week.
1: <laughs> and I love that. I mm. love that that you overstepped that fear. If I don't even know where the money is going to come back to even pay for my food. But mm. you know what? I'm so determined I that so I will make this work. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously been blown away with 20 grand.
0: Yeah, yeah. But also at the time when I made the 20 grand, I went to the person who owned the building and I said to him, it was two weeks, and I said, this is permanent. I want this gallery. I know that I can do it now. And that was within two weeks. So it just, and you know, I'd done all that background work of loving money, of of having it coming in, watching the streams of it, because it is mm. an energetic thing.
1: Yeah, and it's a N- driven it's mm. driven. Mm. It drives you to get like, totally. we will talk about this a bit later, about mm. your the new shop you're going to open. Yes. But you can't go to the next and next stage if you haven't overcome that first one and mm. make the first step work. And in mentoring, when I work with my clients, it's actually very important because a lot of new business owners want to jump from an idea to having a Mm. gallery in each town or having a gallery in a shop. Mm. And it's actually a journey that you had to grow with. Mm. You have to have that moment of Mm. $258 in your account to... A celebration of 20,000 to come back and actually sign the lease. So mm. it's not just happening. It's a journey that you're on with your business.
0: Yeah, you've obviously got to be, you know, not I don't like the word careful, but you've got to be astute and correct in your steps. You can't just jump to the biggest step possible. Well, I've seen some people have, but it's, I wouldn't advise it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of I, businesses that jump and slip. We yes, see it all the time. Yes.
0: I have, I've always had a large, a big picture in my head, like the new business that I'm taking on that you're going to talk about soon. I have that picture of perhaps it's going to be three or four stores, but I'm not jumping to that
1: straight away. So take me a little bit back to the first time you get your art piece into a gallery. I spent six months in Sydney um, with an
0: emerging gallery called Tap Gallery and um, just watched and had an exhibition with them. And I watched how the system worked and how the industry worked. And the industry right now is changing phenomenally. And, you know, not always galleries are going to work for for a person. And that's why I set up my own gallery because I, I just couldn't rely on that kind of income. It wasn't solid enough for me, you know, on, on, on relying on a gallery to, to promote you properly or how you think you should be promoted. I mean, mine's an experience more than – I mean, I just – I was just a finalist as for a small business tourism award, so there's a whole different sort of thing. I think mine's expanded kind of into sort of strange places than it sh- than just the standard gallery of the white walls. But you know, I guess if you were if you knew what you were as an artist, and if you're not a really good businesswoman in that or or man in that that case, then you would rely on the galleries to sell your work. Yeah. Mm. So
1: Mm. thinking back of your um, gallery that I visit, you're not only selling paintings, so you expand into products tell me a little bit more about that yeah
0: on the onset of of the gallery and even at the markets I thought anyone who comes into an exhibition of mine may not be able to afford a large painting so let's get them to take everything anything from seven dollars my smallest price is a card from seven dollars you can put it in a frame you can buy five for 25 you know so the whole marketing of it has always been that way we've always I've always thought it that that's the way everyone should come in and buy something
1: <laughs> but that was that was exactly the same mm. case when we were there. Mm. I walk in there with my family and everybody picks something. He's like, and yes, it no. is and my husband got the Camel with the long eyelashes. Oh, so. so he sent me a photo of, of his office the other day oh, with so this cute. muck on his desk with this camel and the long eyelashes. I love that. So, but that is so cool to see how your art can go into places. Mm. And yes, I love it that it's affordable for everyone. Mm. But again, that would have been another challenge for you because that's going into buying stock and reselling that in yes. another, another and market. And it's...
0: it's huge even just like every step of of the merchandising is 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 a creation like it's from from the ground floor we start and takes a good three months just to get one piece you know up and, and into production can take quite a while it's like the graphics of it the whole the whole thing it's massive
1: and then the packaging as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're really conscious on the packaging because people will want to just wrap it all in plastic and send it to us and we're like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do this.
1: No, you can't mm. because that's part of who you are. It's the not just the art, it's the feeling yeah. and the experience yeah. that goes with it. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. So your first um, big commission, how did that happen?
0: Um, oh, I got given to me three really large two meters by 1.5 um, canvases and they were given to me for $20 each so when I, I painted on them and um, people in Broome bought them and I sold them for a whole $900
1: so your work is much more worth now but even that time mm. by being brave and put a $900 mm. you actually value your talent mm. was that hard for you to do
0: yeah, I, I initially had a first a first exhibition um, in Broome at Malcolm Douglas Crock Park, and it was just all drawings, and all the drawings were like two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars each, and I sold out, and I made about four thousand dollars for the whole exhibition, and then six months later, I did an oil painting exhibition of marine life, and all of those paintings were over a thousand dollars, and I only sold four, but I made the same amount of money. It mm. was just you know that consciousness was had changed once I did that.
1: So that's kind of a turning point mm. for you to realize that yeah. this this is a business concept and I'm worth this.
0: Yes, yes. And even now, like if I get really busy in the gallery, if the prices are up a little bit, it slows the selling down. But I'm still going to make the same amount of money and I can keep up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then that also takes me back to you have to grow with it. Mm. If you have put that high prices up and only sell four, you would have seen yourself as unsuccessful. Because why did I only sell four Yes. if I had 10 pieces? But the fact that you sold out means, great, I've got it. I Mm. am good. I can put that price up. So again, it's growing with your journey.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: So every business person... In their lives had somebody along the line that support them or believe in them tell me who's the people in your journey that help you being who you are up to today and was the ones that believe in you
0: um, the, my biggest probably fans are my parents oh, yeah. <laughs> i've got a really close connection with them i talk to them nearly every day and even when there's a big challenge business-wise, you know, or, or on the business. We'll, we'll talk about it as a group, my parents and I. So, it's yeah, they've been there the whole time.
1: But that's good because I have seen you and your mum together as well. And yeah. it's not just that they're your biggest fan. I think you and your mum are like great friends.
0: Yes, yeah, my mum is, is my, I could easily class her as my best friend. Yeah. But
1: that is absolutely a beautiful story to have that support yeah. and how they believe in you and how they encourage you alongside.
0: Yes, you need, I think you need something. You need someone to be able to lean on or bounce stuff off of because you're not always, you know, like, I I can't, I don't know what I'm doing really. I just just watch for the signs and look for it and and go as I go with the determination. So the drive, yeah.
1: And that is where a lot of business owners have a mentor because that mm. mentor is that person that support you, believe in you, mm. and keep you accountability. Mm. And I want to say to any person out there today, if you don't have a mom or a dad or a family mm. member, that actually not just being your biggest fan, but encourage you. Mm. to move forward, encourage you to grow, encourage you mm. to be unique in who you are and take those steps. That get a mentor mm. along the line to I just actually, bring you over that Yes, step.
0: I do have a mentor as well and mm. he's been there. Well not just him but it's um a company called Many Rivers. Mm. And they've been there for six and a half years. So, yeah, it was really good this year because he came through in September and I had a really bad year last year. It was really hard and I was about to sign my lease again and I'd had a three-year lease and I've learnt now that the six months before signing up a lease, you go through, I don't want to order anything, I don't know if I'm doing this again. It's all this stuff goes on. So next time I'll be aware and know what I'm doing (laughs) so you don't let the gallery just run, run dry or whatever but he came in in September and then he came in only in July and saw me again so it was a large gap mm. and he was just amazed at where I'd gone in the, in that sort of nine months yeah yeah I'd really pulled it together I'd found myself solid because I I didn't have a house at the time I couldn't find somewhere to live last year so the whole thing was unstable mm. and then it and then when he saw me again this time I had I'd taken six months off from the gallery, I'd had a rest, I'd gone down south, I'd painted walls, I'd painted nine walls, I manifested enough money to get somewhere to live properly, I bought my own place. It was just like incredible. And plus, I also had a full-time manager. He was like, just one of those things, Sabrani. is like incredible.
1: Like you've done really well. I see that so many times when a small business, they struggle so much. Mm. I call it the duck that kick under the water mm. that they didn't realize the distance. They Mm. had swim on the dam because they're so focused on that kicking to surviving. So Mm. you do sometimes need somebody to come out and say, let's stop. Let's celebrate what you had achieved from this um, season of your life. And once we celebrate that, we take the next step. Mm. Because sometimes you're so in your business that you don't look at it from the outside Mm. and see what is actually your achievements. Mm. So tell me a little bit about your Beijing
0: experience. Um, Beijing was awesome because in Beijing, well, in China, everyone's got the can-do attitude and it kind of matches mine. I love this. It's really nice. And over there, all the art materials are really cheap, like everything's made in China. It's cheap as chips and you can play. So I had a, a lady next door to me, a New Zealand lady, who was using fluorescent spray paints. And she said to me, oh, you've just got to go and play with some spray paints. And that's when I started YouTubing how to do spray paints. And I started spray painting in Beijing at the arts residency there.
1: And that had taken you over to use all different things that you paint Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just explored on
0: everything. And, you know, even linen and canvas, artist canvas, it was like $5 a meter. It was like paper. You could just throw it away. So the fear of wrecking a $100 a meter piece of,
1: of linen wasn't there. I remember when I was a fashion designer that we coloured some of our laces, especially with coffee. Mm. Is that things that you do in your studio as well?
0: Yes, I regularly use coffee and I love how... Coffee actually mixed with a black acrylic can really look gritty and yeah. it because sometimes when I use charcoal, it can be very light and fluffy and, and using that, that mix of the two can really give it a, a strength that I love.
1: And some red wine, is it time to paint with every red wine? Every now and again there's a bit <laughs> of red wine. <laughs> I used. think that every artist needs to bring a bit of the red wine in their painting. So what has been some of your highlights in your journey? Oh
0: gosh, there's so many. It's on a daily level. Um, every day there's something amazing. Like just just on the weekend on Saturday, I've won the small business award.
1: Congratulations! Uh, thank that's you. amazing. Yeah,
0: in Broome, and even that was just amazing. Especially given the hardest year I had last year, and then mm. coming into this year, which has been so very solid. Yeah, I think Mondays are a, a pretty important important day because you sort of plan out the week, and that's about as far as I can go unless I know I've got some big important things happening. Like next. Next week I'm, I'm going down to Carnarvon to do um, – we've got a mentoring grant um, with Miranda Plum, another female artist, and I'm showing her how to get her paintings up on walls. So that one, that's going to be very exciting too.
1: That is. It yeah. sounds like it worked better better bit of a holiday – Yeah, both. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What's the holiday? (laughs) Granny, what's the next step? What's the next step for you?
0: Well, the next really big thing that I'm undertaking is I'm opening up a new store and it's it's an extension of the T-shirts that I sell in my gallery. And um, we've been talking um, Indigenous folk that come in and have hand-carved boab nuts. We've got them now onto sketchbooks so that we can take those images now onto T-shirts. So it'll be something you know, like the saltwater people's designs, the turtles and the and the fish, they're going to go onto T-shirts and gorgeous rich ochres and dusty blues and things like that, which I, I just think will look yummy and tea towels as well. And then we've also dyeing, hand dyeing, Red dirt shirts.
1: I love that concept because mm. whenever we go to broom I never pack white shoes Mm-mm. in because it's <laughs> not going to stay white. No, definitely not. So, and now you take that mm. red sand and you put it onto
0: yes. Oh. We've done a hundred and the, they were successful. So now we're just still ordering in t-shirts. Get we we ha- I had to wait to get the branding and then the branding goes into the tags on the shirts. Now the shirts will be made. Like the whole process is, is long and, and we won't open until probably March.
1: I'm looking forward to March. Let me know. I would yes. like to make a plan <laughs> to be there on the opening. Oh, absolutely. That would be good. It was a big pleasure for me to talk to you today. Can you wrap this up for us with your favorite phrase of saying that inspire you?
0: If you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up somewhere else.
1: If you would like to know more about Subrani, you can find her details in the episode description. Next time, we will be talking with a stylist who helping women embrace their signature style. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, I believe in you.
0: You've been listening to the I Believe in You podcast. If you're interested in learning some tips for your business, Lazelle has a series of upcoming digital workshops available that you can access from anywhere in the world. The I Believe in You workbook is also available for purchase through our online portal. You can find the details for these and how to get in touch in this episode's description.
1: This podcast is proudly sponsored by our local Bendigo Bank mobile relationship managers and produced by Bad Bard Productions.